Russell Wilson shouldn't be written off by Broncos fans this upcoming season, despite a disastrous year last year. We'll dive deeper into that and some other players on the offensive side of the ball on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Don't write off Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson. Broncos country, there's a lot of people in the NFL media that are doing so. We'll dive deeper in today's episode, Locked On Broncos, as to why you shouldn't do that. Welcome into a brand new episode of the show. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. Shout out to all the everydayers out there as well. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss out on a day's worth of Broncos news, content, coverage, and more every single day all year long. I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports. Joined alongside as always by my co-host, my good friend, Dar Bettinger expert over there, predominantlyorange.com. And at this point of the offseason, right, as we go through OTAs, get ready for the build-up to training camp, you see a lot of different talking heads. I know Russell Wilson, the Broncos, have been talked about quite a bit in the national media and specifically from some former teammates of Russell Wilson who are seemingly kind of writing him off. And I think we should dedicate this episode here to talking about three players on the offensive side of the ball that Broncos country and other people shouldn't write off. And you know what? As weird as it may sound, Russell Wilson's probably the one player we need to put at the top of this list. Say, hey, don't write this guy off. And there's a multitude of reasons why people are writing him off and why they shouldn't. And we'll dive deep into that. Exactly, Cody. A lot of people writing off Russell Wilson after last season. But then there is a small sect of, you know, the media or I guess maybe just Denver Broncos fans who saw the end of last year. And they're like, I don't know, maybe Russ is ready to cook again. And I hope with the addition of Sean Payton, that's changing everybody's lens. Cody, I was looking at a recent list put out there by Chris Sims, which is a dangerous thing to do if you don't want to be triggered at times. But Chris Sims is known for kind of putting out controversial lists. So when I saw he was ranking the top 40 quarterbacks in the NFL over there at NBC Sports, I got a little intrigued. He released every name from 40 to 20 on this list. And I very much expected to see Russell Wilson on the back half of the list. Cody, I found it interesting that Chris Sims, he, he Russell Wilson is at least 19th or better, at least in terms of at the time of this recording, haven't seen his full list, but Russell Wilson was not among 20 through 40 on the list. So he has him inside the top 20. And I think that sentiment should be shared still by a lot of people, right? Going into last season, a lot of Folks thought Russell was still a top 10 quarterback in the league, us included, and they were putting him as such. They were kind of crowning this Broncos team as maybe the second coming of the 2012 Denver Broncos when Peyton Manning joined the squad, and that didn't happen. Of course, we saw last year it was bad, but the context of Russell Wilson injuries, maybe lingering injuries occurring throughout the season. I have said this a number of times. You've said it too, Cody. We kind of refuse to believe that Russell Wilson is cooked, and we're more inclined to believe that he's ready to cook again. And, and that's the hope, right, for for him to turn things around. So let's dive into maybe some reasons why people are writing him off. I think, first and foremost, you look back at last year. I mean, Sarah, it was a disaster all across the board. And when you add the context in, yeah, he has several injuries he was dealing with. He was in a brand-new offensive scheme. A lot of the players on the offensive line, I mean, they were Devastated by injuries there on that unit. They were devastated by injuries at wide receiver. They lose Javante Williams. 
these things have an impact on maybe your production. But I, also, we did see Russ make some plays that were like, why did he throw that? Why did he? What was his decision making process? All right. We saw some things that Russ did that were a little abnormal from the processing standpoint, which we've been accustomed to seeing with Russ throughout his entire career. On top of that, we can also talk about coaching. Coaching was piss poor for the Broncos offense last season. And I think, you know, guys like, you know, uh, Clint Kubiak, I think did as best they could. Justin Outen, for some reason, was the title though, see, but really didn't get his chance to really showcase what he could do until the final two games of the season, which looked a lot better than I'd say the entirety of the Broncos season leading up to it. Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, the relationship between those guys from a player-coach standpoint, it just wasn't in sync with what the Broncos needed. And on top of everything, Sarah, I think another reason why Bron- why people are writing off Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson is because the hype last year was so high and the results were completely different. And I, I think it is easy at times to get caught up and in- watching and just seeing like, wow, you know, Russ struggled. Look. He threw 16 touchdowns, which was a career low for him, threw 11 interceptions. He still didn't have technically a very, very bad season. It's just the overall body of work in terms of how the Broncos record was with the offensive performance. Everything was bad. Russ definitely, I think, could have played worse in a sense. And so there were some things he overcame. I thought that, you know, he elevated his game a little bit toward the end of the season. But let's talk about maybe the reasons why you shouldn't write off Russell Wilson. And Sarah, it goes exactly to the point of what you were saying. We simply just refuse to believe that, okay, hey, after having just, you know, a great 10 years prior to last year in the NFL, he has suddenly fallen off and this is who he is. Context, other things that we talked about here on the show impacted that, but also, it, you know, it's a new opportunity now here in 2023. And I think more importantly, the flashes that we saw with Russ doing some things specifically in that final game against the Chargers, rolling out and finding Jerry Judy downfield deep. There are things to his game he can still do well. To me, that is one reason why I think Broncos fans and anybody else should not write off Russell Wilson. The body of work overall throughout his career is too good to just discard, in my opinion. It is, Cody. It really is because I think you look back at what Russell Wilson was over 10 years in Seattle. It was a lot of consistency, right? And all these Seahawks, these former Seahawks players coming out now talking about how the offense really protected Russell Wilson how he was able to just hand it off to beast mode. I remember, Cody, as many times as I watched the Seahawks, as many times as they popped up on NFL Red Zone with Russell Wilson throwing passes and doing things, making plays, I just can't imagine that it's really all him handing the ball off to Marshawn Lynch or whoever else it was at running back there in Seattle as the reason for his success. Although that is maybe a foundation for success for Russell Wilson in particular to have success Here's a couple of other reasons why I think you shouldn't write Russell Wilson off. Number one, last offseason, he did put on some weight we saw, Cody, to be able to absorb more hits, to be able to maybe absorb the contact in the pocket. Maybe he wasn't feeling as well health-wise there towards the end of his time in Seattle. Added that weight to his frame. I think that kind of played against him in a number of ways. We know he had the the arthroscopic procedure on his knee this offseason in order to get physically right from an injury or a you know a knee situation that he had dating back to a couple of years ago in Seattle that's kind of been lingering. So he's had a lingering knee issue, which he had a scope on this offseason, had the torn lat early last season, obviously had the torn hamstring, which resulted in the the high knees on the airplane, you know, fiasco that went down. And then you had the concussion late in the season and all the other dings and bruises that come with getting sacked, what, 58 times or something like that, 56. So 
though Russell Wilson was dealing with a lot of health stuff last year, playing through a lot of stuff that caused people like Shannon Sharp to go on national airwaves and say he's lost his athleticism. Cody, I just, I, there's no way I, there's, there's no way. So I'm willing to, to die on the hill that says Russ is going to be back in a big way in 2023, not to bring false hope to anybody, but because last year has to have been an outlier, right? It, it just has to be. Yeah. I mean, and if it's not, we'll find out this year. And, you know, I, I think regardless, you look at his 10, his, well, he's going into, what is it? Year 12 now it, it, yeah. going into year 12. I mean, his overall body of work is impressive. I mean, when you look at his overall quarterback record, the last two seasons, obviously this last one with Denver and then his final season with Seattle, which he missed some time due to injury. Those are the only times he's had a losing record as a quarterback in the NFL. He's been pretty damn good. So, yes, you know, hopefully last year is an anomaly. And I think we should ask the question here to Broncos country and anybody watching, does a leaner Russell Wilson mean a little bit more of the old Russell Wilson coming up this season? That's a question we throw out to you. If you're watching on YouTube, comment down below. Interact with other members of Broncos country. If you're listening, wherever you get your podcast, tweet us on Twitter at Cody Work NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked on Broncos. We're going to continue with our list of players that Broncos country on the offensive side of the ball should not write off as well, especially a playmaker who has all the tools and athletic traits possible to make a big splash this upcoming season. You'll get that on today's episode of Locked On Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at Built Bar. As you all know it, the best tasting protein bar that is out there on the market today. Each bar contains 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and they are low in sugar while all being covered in 100% milk chocolate. The things I love about Built Bar as well is when you take a bite into it, it's soft, it's easy to chew, and you can now get your hands on a box here locally by going to your local Walmart to the pharmacy department, and you can get a box of four Bill Bars. Or you can go to Sam's Club and buy in bulk and get a box of 13 Bill Bars. Or if you want to just order online, you can go to Bill.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order as well. They have a wide variety of flavors. My personal favorite being Brownie Batter Puff. The puff flavor Bill Bars are amazing. You have the regular Bill Bars as well. So check them out today, Bill.com. You should not write Albert O out this year, Cody, for the script for the Denver Broncos. I don't know. I think a lot of people look at this tight end group and they see, is there really a spot for Albert O anymore? Remember, just over a year ago, he was supposed to be the tight end one for the Denver Broncos. Even the own, the, the, the team's own social media account was asking him, how does it feel now to be, now that Noah Fant has been traded, how does it feel to be the guy at tight end? We saw how things went under Nathaniel Hackett in that regime. We also saw what Jerry Rosberg did those last two weeks of the season. Is Alberto Cody, is he being prematurely written off? Is he prematurely being written out of the script? And why might that be? I think that's a great question. And to be honest with you, I think everybody's looking at the offseason. They're looking at the moves that Denver made, bringing in Chris Manhurts, bringing in Adam Troutman trading for him during the NFL draft and obviously the emergence of Greg Dulcich in his second season. A lot of people are looking at these moves and they're saying, okay, hey, the writing's on the wall. Albert Oak Wavingham is not going to be a Denver Bronco in 2023. Well, I, I, I want to push back against that a little bit here, Sarah, because you and I have talked about this. We've gone to bat for Albert O. Essentially, we both feel like in 2022, he was robbed of his third season in the NFL by Nathaniel Hackett, by poor coaching, poor coaching utilization and a mismanagement of player personnel is simply inexcusable there. And, and look, we can be very open here. Where does Albert O struggle as a player, right? It's blocking. But you know what, sir? I always go back to the thought when Vic Fangio and the Broncos drafted him initially. 
you did not bring him in to be a blocking tight end. You brought him in to be a sizable guy that you can flex into the slot, play on the outside, use essentially as an extra receiver because he's got a big body type. He's got extreme athletic tools that you know make him a threat after the catch. And we saw that in his rookie season, yards after the catch. Then he tore his ACL. He came back in his second year under Pat Shermer, which the offense was pretty bad there. We never thought it would get worse than Pat Shermer. Unfortunately, last year was a great example that it could always be worse. And well, one thing we saw from Albert O, remember how many times Teddy Bridgewater would like, you know, fake the do the play action, fake a handoff, dump it out in the flat to Albert O. He'd be hit by a defender. He would, sh- you know, shed the tackle and he'd run for a touchdown. I mean, that is what we've seen from Albert O. He's a sizable guy that is hard to bring down. And I think the one thing we did not get to see last year is really him utilized effectively. And after that week, won a game against the Seattle Seahawks. He was kind of discarded, thrown away. And look, I also want to believe that this offensive scheme, as we all saw week to week, didn't have a game plan, didn't really have an identity. They also threw out the guys that can maybe give them an identity a little bit. And, and that, to me, I think was a little unfortunate, especially with the injuries they sustained at wide receiver. That was a perfect opportunity for them to throw out Albert Okwebunam and have him do some things as what was it, Justin Outen and even Hackett alluded to early on in the season before you know he got fired. Unfortunately, it took Jerry Rosberg to come in and say, hey, you know, why, why isn't this guy playing here? And we saw Albert O make some plays in the final two weeks of the regular season. And, you know, I think when you look at the additions that they've made, everyone's like, all right, hey, the writing's on the wall. He was subject to trade rumors last year, was not dealt. I also think, Sarah, it's important to note that Broncos had every opportunity this offseason to cut him. They didn't do that. So that, to me, tells me personally, he has every opportunity to be in the mix here for this team this upcoming season. I think he really does, too, Cody. My my tune has changed on this a little bit as well, even just in recent weeks. And I want to point something out. I'm actually working on a piece on this for Predominantly Orange regarding Maybe how Vic Fangio's opinion could be playing a factor in the way this roster is constructed. I know that kind of seems like an out there, maybe bordering on tinfoil hat theory, but we do know that Broncos head coach Sean Payton did consult Vic Fangio in the defensive coordinator hiring process. Kind of makes sense then that he might consult him on some players that are currently on the roster. And with that in mind, I want to throw it back to this quote from Vic Fangio Back in September of 2021, remember, at this point, Alberto was coming off a torn ACL. He's working his way back in training camp. Here's what Vic Fangio had to say. He said he just picked up where he left off last year. Remember the promising rookie season for Alberto in 2020. He said, if you remember last year, he didn't play much early. Then he was starting to play more. He was playing well, having success. He's just picked up from right where he left off there. He said he's blocking well. He's a much better blocker than I think people are aware of. He said, we know he can catch, and he's a good runner after the catch. I'm really excited about him. Vic Fangio does not just say those things, Cody, Mm -hmm. about anybody. It doesn't matter what player you are, what year you are. He does not heap praise upon guys lightly. So I think for him to say that, and specifically to say the things he did about Albert O as a blocker, was very, very interesting. And Vic Fangio is not going to mince words. Remember what he said about Drew Locke as a rookie? He said he's like a pitcher out there who doesn't know how to pitch. He will not mince words. And he did. He said, I mean, what he said about Albert O here goes against that narrative. Right. And so I think, man, maybe there's more than meets the eye here with this Albert O situation. I think you made a great point. Like you said, the Broncos have not taken the opportunities 
to maybe get rid of him when they definitely could have. Well, and, and I'll tell you this too, watching him at OTAs last week, like, he moves so well, right? You know, I've been on this podcast and I've raved about how good and how crisp Greg Dulcich looks while running routes and whatnot. Albert O is the same exact way. I and mean, his body size, though, I mean, you have two guys at the tight end position with them specifically. Look, I would I don't even think it's a bad thing here if the Broncos were to carry four tight ends there, right? You have two guys who have similar skill sets in terms of the receiving department. And then you have two guys who are maybe better blockers as the inline guys with with Troutman, with Manhurt. But it's like when I look at Albert O and I look at Dulcich, it's like, man, there is no excuse in the world why you can't do some double tight with them or even put both those guys in the slot in certain situations. You can be very creative with your personnel packages in, in terms of how you use that. And it basically, it's kind of like a, hey, let's pick our poison here as to who we want to maybe get a mismatch against. In theory, it's easier said than done, right? But to me, you have to. I think considering Dulcich's injury history, you have to carry at least four tight ends on your roster, right? Last year, we saw a healthy dose of Eric Saubert, Eric Tomlinson. We saw Andrew Beck. I mean, Denver carried essentially more tight ends last year than I think they'll carry this year, which maybe eliminates the position by one, right? But ultimately, you have your fullback designation with Michael Burton. I know Nate Adkins is another guy who's competing for a spot there. Looks pretty decent in OTAs. But for me, I don't see why you can't keep four tight ends on this roster here with Dulcich, Alberto, Manhurts, and even Troutman at this point in time. Especially because we know Sean Payton's history is to keep how many offensive linemen? Eight. Generally, he keeps eight offensive linemen on the active roster. That frees you up to maybe keep a fourth tight end and a third quarterback and a fullback, things like that. So the roster gymnastics will be interesting, but I think you have to keep your best. The guys that can... What have the Broncos struggled with so badly, Cody, since 2015? They have struggled badly to score points. If there's a guy out there who can help you score points, this is why we talked almost every week during last season about why in the world is Alberto Kuebunam not playing in these games? He could at least throw a wrench in things, right, with his size yeah. and speed. If you have a guy that can help you score points, what could you possibly be thinking if you just let that guy go or if you just keep him on the sideline? I am very much an advocate for Alberto staying around Cody. I almost kind of just like separated myself mentally from that hope that he could still contribute and just said, you know what, just let's just get it over with. Let's just let him move on and go to a new city. But no, Alberto's only 25 years old. He just turned 25 this offseason. He's already been in the league for three years. We know tight end takes a long time for guys to transition from college to the pros. Now you got elite level coaching on that side of the ball and you're ready to give up on Alberto, I, that's me. I'm pointing the finger at me as much as anybody. I'm going to turn turn this ship around and say I'm not ready to give up on Alberto. I think he could be a major factor after being slightly written off by a lot of folks, including myself. I mean, his athletic traits and, and tools that he possesses and where he's at from a developmental standpoint, he still has room to grow, right? Which it, you don't discard that. And I guarantee you, and I, and I threw this out there as well toward the trade deadline you and I talked about on the show, if Albert O goes to another team, watch him just thrive and have success. And we're going to all be sitting here wondering, like, what the heck? Like, he was in the building. You don't want to let him go. Sean Payton doesn't want that to happen with any of his players in the evaluation standpoint. So, Broncos country, our conversation will continue here. There's a specific player, a wide receiver, that is seemingly written off by so many people. We're going to dive deeper into tell you why Cortland Sutton should not be written off in 2023. You'll get that on today's episode of Locked On Broncos. Real quick, let me tell you about the Locked On Nuggets podcast. The Denver Nuggets will host game one of the NBA Finals against the Miami Heat 
on Thursday at Ball Arena. You need a big-time preview of the action? Well, guess what? Adam Matas and Matt Moore have you covered on the Locked On Nuggets podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. Denver Broncos wide receiver Cortland Sutton is one player that should not be written off by anybody in Broncos country or in the national media despite some of the trade rumors this offseason, despite the new additions at the wide receiver position. We'll dive deeper now in today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country. Sarah and I, we appreciate you for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day, whether you watch on YouTube or wherever you listen, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making us part of your everyday experience for all the best objective Denver Broncos news content coverage and more. Lockdown Broncos is the place to be. Thank you so much for being here. Sarah. Let's open it up here. We, you know, we were going through a list of offense players in our text message in the morning in terms of game planning. We're like, you know, who on the offensive side, you know, really qualifies as maybe, you know, someone who you know, shouldn't be written off. And I think probably the one guy who is probably on this team has been written off more than anybody probably is Cortland Sutton at this point. He has really, I, I mean, especially as of last year, right? I mean, he was kind of almost public enemy number one for a time there for the Denver Broncos fans because he was dropping some passes and maybe hadn't been living up to that 2019 pro bowl hype. And, you know, people are saying, well, he's not as explosive after the injury, which by the way, Cody, this, it, it just boggles my mind to, for people to ever say that because in last year, when he was only one year removed from the ACL injury that he suffered in 2020 against the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, I believe he had eight and this was ranked third in the NFL. I believe he had eight plays where he ran over 21 miles per hour on the field which was third best in the nfl so the third most explosive plays for any offensive player in the league or at least tracking on the gps so for those who follow those kind of stats and analytics the explosiveness has been there for Cortland sutton but reasons why he's been written off is pretty obvious at this point he's supposed to be the team's wide receiver one we haven't seen that he's dropping some passes and he previously had an exceptional level of play that led to a Pro Bowl all the way back in 2019. Plus, now we're talking about a guy who's on a big money contract. So the expectations are extremely high. And I feel like the circumstances just haven't dictated to where Cortland could really excel in the Denver Broncos offense, whether he was, you know, getting double teamed or whether he's getting called for offensive pass interference against the Kansas City Chiefs. When I'm just throwing out hypothetical situations here, but Cody, I think there's a lot of reasons why people are writing him off, but there's also a lot of reasons why they shouldn't be. Yeah, and I'll even throw another one out there as well. Jerry Judy's emergence is really is the team's most dynamic wide receiver. A lot of people are saying, well, if Jerry Judy's wide receiver one, then Cortland Sutton doesn't have a role on this team, which I think, once again, we see these things written in text, and it's like, hey, let's add some more context to it. Let's actually watch the tape. What did we see happened when Jerry Rossberg came in and all of a sudden was like, you know what? We're not just going to keep Cortland at X. We're not just going to keep Jerry at Z. We're going to move these guys around the field. We're going to line them up in the slot. We're going to motion them. We're going to do all these different things. And what did that do? It opened up opportunities for both of them. Jerry Judy, we still have a very, very impressive end of the season there. And then when Jerry Judy started moving around, what did it do against the Chiefs? It opened up Cortland Sutton downfield. You mentioned the offensive pass interference. Well, a lot of that is, hey, the defense was a little worried about Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton got behind a defender, and then he mossed both of those guys and were, for some reason was called for an offensive PI. The Chargers game there, Jerry Judy was was like you know public enemy number one for the Chargers defense. They're like, hey, wherever Jerry's at, we have to figure out a way to stop this guy. 
and they allocated all their resources there, which led to Cortland Sutton being wide open for a touchdown in the Broncos' 31-28 victory against the Chargers in the final game of the regular season. So I, I, I hate seeing these, these narratives being put out there by people who just simply don't watch the game, who don't understand it. You can't just pigeonhole a guy into one rule and say, okay, hey, you're the X. You're going to stay there, and you're just going to you know, run, run vertical. That's how you allow defenses to adjust. But when you're moving around, you're creating mismatch opportunities regardless of your personnel. It creates other opportunities for other guys because if Jerry is beating guys inside the slaughter on the outside, what's that going to do for a guy like Cortland Sutton who's coming free maybe on a dig route or KJ Hamler or Marvin Mims or Tim Patrick? I mean, it's not just for these guys exclusively, but Cortland Sutton doesn't necessarily have to be wide receiver one to have a very, very pivotal impact on the Broncos offense this upcoming season. He doesn't. And I think that's going to really free him up to be maybe the best version of himself that he's ever been. And I have to amend this statistic, Cody. I, I pulled up the official stat. This is from October 2021. So this was even midway through that 2021 season, early in the season after Sutton had come back. The stat was most snaps reaching 20 plus miles per hour among all offensive players. At the time, Henry Ruggs was on top with 11, Tyreek Hill at eight, and then Cortland Sutton. Number three, he I was right about him being third. He had seven of such plays. So pretty incredible when you consider what he's gone through injury-wise and what you consider is the narrative about him as a player. I remember I was reading, as you know, a lot of us do, as of OTAs, a lot of people giving their observations. I saw a couple of people say, or at least one person say, that Cortland Sutton was looking explosive at OTAs. And I thought to myself, why is that a... Why is that really notable? He is an explosive player. He always has been, even post-injury. Yeah. I feel like he's really been more explosive in the post-injury. We just haven't been able to see him really get things going consistently. Explosiveness, not a question mark for him. But I really think he's poised to turn things around this season. We know he's got chemistry with Russell Wilson. We know that he can be that guy who got... Remember what he was coming out of SMU. It's not 50-50 with Cortland Sutton. It's 60-40, right? He's got the advantage in all these situations. We need to see him be more ball dominant, and I think we will. I think he's going to have watched last year, Cody, and see when the ball's thrown his direction, he needs to take that alpha mentality and go take that ball at the catch point. And we need to see more of that from him, not only on vertical plays, you know, when the Broncos are between the 20s, but when they're inside the 20, that's something that you and I touched on a lot on last year's show. Red zone production for Cortland Sutton has simply not been there. We need to see more of that. We need, And that's how the Broncos are going to close out a lot of drives is by trusting in him to use that size, to use that explosiveness, to put points on the board. When you get inside the 20, Russ puts the ball on you. You have to go get that ball and take it and bring it down. I think he's being written off because we haven't seen a ton of that over the last two years. But I think 2023 is where things are really going to turn around. If Russell Wilson is more improved inside Sean Payton's offense, I think it's fair to ask, does that mean more production for Cortland Sutton? I think it's certainly possible. For those of you that play NBA 2K, right? You ever play my player, you work on building up your badges. Cortland Sutton does have the takeover badge in his arsenal, right? Remember against Jacksonville several years ago, it was the year he came off the ACL. What was he had? I think it was either 11 or 12 catches. Then this past season against the Houston Texans, I mean, really, when the Broncos were struggling and fans were counting down the play clock, Portland Sutton kind of put the team on his back a little bit. He had 12 catches over 100-something yards. I think it was 150 yards while going against Derek Stingley and a safety over the top. I mean, the Houston Texans defense, I do want to point out, early on, 
they were pretty damn good. They had a lot of good personnel, and Stingley is a very, very talented cornerback, and Cortland just took over. You like to see that in certain situations. And then how many times throughout the season were there when we saw these flashes from Russ, right, you know, in games where Cortland's making a big play downfield, it puts him into field goal range and whatnot. And then, you know, even against the Colts, you know, where they could have won the game. Unfortunately, we know the end result of that. But Cortland has the tools. And I think with proper coaching and new wide receiver coach Kerry Colbert, what type of impact might he have on them? These are some questions that I have. But once again, I just refuse to believe that Cortland Sutton has suddenly, you know, fallen off and is not the guy that he used to be. I think he can still be that guy. It just depends on the environment around him. Do you have good coaching? Do you move guys around? Can you excel inside the slot? I mean, these are all things that we will see throughout training camp and the NFL preseason. But Broncos country, thank you so much for tuning in. Making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. We appreciate you so much. Tomorrow's episode of the show for all you everydayers out there. We're going to take a look at three defensive players for the Denver Broncos that shouldn't be written off this upcoming season. We'll dive deeper to that and why on tomorrow's brand new episode of the show.